Hello, and welcome to another episode of Fleet Tech That Works, series produced in partnership with GPS Insight. I'm Lance Holt, and today we're speaking with David Pope, Government Sales Manager for GPS Insight. David's been with GPS Insight since 2006 and has successfully managed over 1,000 government deployments. I speak with David about how fleets can start electrifying their vehicles, how to address video telematics with unions, effective strategies that county governments can use when procuring telematics, as well as how GPS Insight helps fleets find the right solutions for their organization. And now, here's my conversation with David. Well, David, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Fleet Tech That Works. Thanks, Lance. Great to be here. Happy to help out. Yeah, let's let's go ahead and dive right into the conversation. And I wanted to start, uh, you know, with so many things happening right now around EVs between, you know, compliance, green initiatives, and so much more. Can can you just talk a little bit about where someone might start and how they would go about electrifying their fleet? Yeah, sure. Um, obviously, there, there's no doubt that EVs are rapidly becoming an important part of, you know, fleet operations conversations and future planning. And really, the biggest question I hear is, you know, how do we get there um, with concerns about, you know, total cost of ownership and in infrastructure requirements, vehicle utilization, and really uncertainty about which vehicles in the fleet are viable for replacement with an EV. Uh, fleet managers are relying on accurate telematics data to provide a starting point. Uh, the initial planning, it really requires a lot of data. Uh, and that's where the traditional telematics comes into play. And there's literally hundreds of data points that need to be evaluated. And for fleet managers, that can be overwhelming uh, and, and virtually impossible without a connected data source. So, you know, mo most fleets will bring on an independent third party to conduct an assessment and evaluation uh, when they get to the point where uh, they're looking to move the fleet forward and actually add uh, EVs to their to their fleet. Getting that to uh, to that point, really, the the implementation and starting point would be adding telematics devices. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, especially with the pace at which you know all, all everything is moving with EVs, having having data, you know, making data driven decisions has probably been never more important than it is right now. So, uh, but we're going to kind of shift over to safety. You know, safety is always at the top of a uh, the fleet priority list and. In, in a big discussion in that arena right now appears to be centered around video telematics. Um, government organizations face a unique challenge with union adoption when it comes to video telematics. So I'd really like to know from you, you know, what are some of the best ways to introduce this fleet solution to employees and how should people address it with their unions for those that have them? Boy, hot topic and a really important one too, Lance. Uh, let me start with this. Uh, there's a lot of misconceptions around in-cap cameras right now. Uh, early adopters that we've talked to have stated that the advent of video telematics is really a life-changing and life-saving technology for employees behind the wheel, as well as the general public that comes in contact with those employees on the road. Um, those folks are, are very much aware of what's happening, and they're trying to stay ahead of the curve to make sure that their, their safety requirements are being met. But when it comes to introducing video telematics, transparency is of primary importance right now. Uh, you know, having a clearly defined use case is critical. The best way to get a clear and concise understanding of the benefits of video telematics is to put a pilot out there. I mean, actually put some devices and vehicles 
share that information with everybody that's involved and get their feedback. Uh, that way, you know, it's, it's nothing under the cloak of darkness. It's, it's right out there and people can see what's going on. So they get a really, really good idea of how this can help their organization. I think it's also important to, uh, you know, in the implementation process and the decision-making process to state the reasons for the implementation as it relates to the challenges that the organization's facing. You know, if it's accidents, injuries, uh, if it's additional support for existing driver coaching systems that they have in place, uh, you know, right down to, you know, explaining that it can be used for driver exoneration, which is huge. There's been a rush to judgment when it comes to video telematics. And that has a lot to do with uh, a lack of knowledge and a lack of understanding of the technology and the purpose behind it. It's really centered around safety. It's uh, it's not all the other things a lot of people think it is, but it, it's really all about safety. And unfortunately, uh, many folks still believe that you know in-cab cameras are only a tool designed to catch drivers violating policies or in violation of privacy, uh, or strictly going to be used for disciplinary purchase purposes. Excuse me. Uh, all of which really couldn't be further from the truth. And the idea behind in-cab cameras is prevention, protection, and coaching, not discipline. Uh, it probably should be noted too that you know the best video telematic systems that are out there right now also promote positive driver behavior and they provide recognition to the employees that are doing a great job for staying safe on the road. Uh, that goes a long way with adoption uh, and getting folks the uh, the information as they see it coming through that you know hey we've got folks that are doing a great job and you know really if you think about it in reality. There's a lot of employees right now today in any fleet that routinely engage in things like distracted driving and improper lane changes, harsh braking and cornering, tailgating, running red lights, you know, just, just a tip, tip of the iceberg comment there. And nobody knows about those habits until it's too late. You know, after the fact, when there's an accident, things get brought up in court. Uh, that can cost an organization untold amount of money. Uh, cost people jobs, can put a black eye on the organization and the media. So the real question is, you know, what if you knew in advance you had a, an at-fault accident waiting to happen? What would you do to prevent it? Do you have the tools in place to coach to it in advance if you don't really know what's going on behind the wheel on a daily basis? So, you know, traditional telematics is a great start, but it lacks the context video telematics provides. Um, you know, when you add video to the mix, You've got the ability to see the big picture, and in many cases, exonerate the driver because you have the context as to why they took the action they did out in the field. Uh, at the end of the day, it's all about providing tools to help our employees become safer and make sure that they and, and the people around them get home to their families every night, really. Yeah, I definitely feel like any of the conversations that I have with, with, with anyone in the industry, it just feels more and more that, you know, even though there might be an expectation of Big Brother. The, the reality is, is that it's, it's, it's more often or not more often than not a tool for exoneration, not disciplinary action. So um, we're going to shift gears again a little bit because uh, I feel like the next big thing is always going to be a conversation around purchasing. So, you know, leveraging cooperative purchasing is an advantage for government organizations when they're looking for a solution. And RFPs don't, don't always ensure you will find the right solution for your fleet. So what are some effective strategies that county governments have developed that shorten the time to development? Well, what we've noticed, Lance, is more and more governmental agencies are gravitating towards cooperative purchasing, purchasing uh, for just that reason. They want what they need and, and they want it sooner than later. 
Uh, and, you know, the cooperative purchasing option is becoming a highly desired way to move forward. Everyone that's ever been through the RFP process knows it's an arduous, time-consuming task, a lot of manpower, a lot of time, and it's not a short process. Uh, those things can take weeks, if not months, uh, to get things taken care of. We found the potential customers who are taking advantage of uh, cooperative purchasing contracts, they, do, they seem to do more diligence in advance. Uh, they're interviewing potential vendors. They're participating in product demos with vendors. And, and some are even going as far as conducting pilots long before they get to the, uh, the writing of the document stage. Uh, they already know that the participating vendors that have been vetted and approved through a cooperative contract uh, are, are, are potential viable candidates to, uh, to provide them with product. So it helps them making a selection of a good vendor. It, it just make, it makes it that much easier on them. Uh, the other advantage to using uh, cooperatively bid contracts is that the pricing structure is usually more advantageous to the buyer. Uh, the, the pricing is available in accordance to the obligation uh, of the seller as a participating vendor, shorter time frame to deployment, better pricing, uh, and, and the backing of a known entity makes a cooperative purchasing option a real winning combination for most folks that move that way. We spoke with Andy Campbell, Supplier Development Supervisor at SourceWell, to get his thoughts on the procurement process for government fleets. Here's what he had to say. By utilizing competitively bid and awarded purchasing contracts like what SourceWell has, the procurement department is getting the legal compliance that they need, and the fleet administrator is getting the solution that they want by allowing them to choose um, any one of our 450 plus awarded contracts, um, we usually have the solution in place that those fleet administrators are looking for. A major challenge for government fleets right now is the, um, the, the order and lead times are all over the board right now. And a lot of times a manufacturer may open up short order windows and mm -hmm. customers have to get their orders in right away. Well, in the public sector, you can't do that, especially if you're going to bid. That process can take months. And a fleet administrator is in a situation where sometimes they have to make rather rapid decisions in order to take advantage of those purchasing opportunities. And sourceable contracts allow them to do that. Again, it's about satisfying competitive bidding requirements, which is what our contracts are allowing those entities to do, while giving that reactive purchasing power in the, the hands of the fleet administrators is to say, look, if, if I know that this supplier has a short order window and they've got a source well contract, I want to use that source well contract so that I can get my name in, get my order locked in. Um, before that window closes. It, at the end of the day, cooperative purchasing at its bare bones is what the name kind of almost even insinuates. It's, it's governments that are cooperatively working together. And so um, many uh, municipalities are probably familiar with or have heard of using a state contract. You know, So if you're the city of XYZ in the state of Minnesota, you could use the Minnesota state contract for whatever you're looking for. That's cooperative purchasing. We're doing the exact same thing, only on a much broader scale. So it's like you're using a state contract on steroids almost. So instead of a contract available for a state and all of the political subdivisions within that state, 
you could look at our contracts as a North American contract that not only can Canadian fleets use our contracts, but um, fleets here in the United States as well. And so that's really the concept behind cooperative purchasing is what one government agency can do on its own, it can do cooperatively on behalf of one or more other government agencies. David, again, I just wanna thank you real quick for joining us on this episode of Fleet Tech That Works. We're in the home stretch here. I got one last final question for you. And that is very simply, can you speak to how GPS Insight works with government fleets to find the right solution for the organization and the rollout of this technology? Yeah, I'd, I'd be happy to, Lance. And that, that's that's an important part of our business uh, structure here at GPS Insight. We utilize, a, we utilize a very focused and consultative approach when we work with our government customers. Uh, we've got a great team of highly skilled uh, folks on our government, uh, our government sales team to help the folks get what they need. And, and we have a very good understanding of what has to take place. Uh, government fleets in many cases are really complex and they've got very unique challenges. So it, it differs quite a bit from the traditional commercial type uh, business opportunities when you're talking to folks in government fleet. So when you, when you think about a fleet that can have everything from you know, golf carts to heavy equipment and anything that you can think of in between, uh, they deal with multiple software platforms, maintenance programs, fuel cards, specialized equipment. And there's a lot of questions that have to be answered to make sure that we as a company can provide not only you know, the right product, but also be a good fit and help them solve the challenges that the organization is facing. Uh, our goal is always to provide our government customers with a flexible and scalable solution that can meet or exceed the requirements. And a big part of that has to do with our customer success program. Uh, that's where we assign a dedicated account manager to be the customer's primary point of contact here at GPS Insight and who work with them uh, on a continuing basis, everything from uh, you know, implementation to uh, you know, reviewing their, uh, their account on a, on a quarterly basis. So we found that most of our successful customers want an engaged vendor to work with, uh, especially those that have large fleets where having an outside uh, third party work with them that you know, does this for a living uh, to share information and data with them that they may not see or pay attention to on a daily basis because that's not what they do for a living. They, they manage fleets and people and do all that. Our job is to help them uh, get the data and the information centered around their goals and objectives and share that with them as often as we can. So they cross the finish line and, and the product's really, really successful. David, thanks again for joining us on this episode of Fleet Tech That Works. And thank you for watching. If you'd like to learn more about how GPS Insight works with government fleets, check out the link below. Be sure to follow Automotive Fleet and GPS Insight on social media and check out the previous episodes of Fleet Tech That Works.